Jiu-Jitsu? Jiu-Jitsu is no joke. It takes years to master. Martial arts are a vehicle for developing your human potential. And nothing in my life has ever put me in face with reality better than Jiu-Jitsu. Training in BJJ offers a powerful lens through which to examine some primary human concerns. Truth versus delusion, self-knowledge, ethics, and overcoming fear. There's more, there's more philosophy in our mats than actually uh, uh, philosophy in any Ivy League school. Welcome to philosophy. What up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of... Philosophy. My name is Oli. My name is Iki. And how's it going, bro? I am chilling like a villain. Fantastic. How are you doing? Yeah, good, man. Good to be back on the podcast. Apologies for uh, having to miss last week, but I heard it went very well. I gave it a listen. Very, very good. Amazing, man. It is uh, sunny in London. Mm-hmm. Very nice. And uh, we've waited for this for a full year. <laughs> you mean sun? or <laughs> For sun, man. Yeah. It's like, a, you know. Yeah, the last time it was sunny was first lockdown, wasn't it? Yeah. And was it's, a, it's like, I feel like, because I mean, like once there's like so much light, you open the, the blinds and it's like your room becomes bigger. Oh, and, you know? It's just such a mood booster, isn't it? So talking of waiting, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things, that, the topic for the podcast today is patience. Exactly. Do you have patience? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, but like, well, let's get into that then. <laughs> why, why are you impatient? So right before coming here, I was up. Uh, I don't know why, you know, but right before coming here, yeah, coming yeah. here to do the podcast. Yeah, I was uh, the other day. I came across uh, someone doing a just walking on a slack line mm-hmm. on the park, mm-hmm. and I always thought that was silly until I jumped on it, and like I could feel like all the endorphins and dopamine just rushing straight to my prefrontal <laughs> lobe, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. So my friend, our friend Iona, uh, she has a she has a slack line. So, and previous guest of the podcast. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so we set it up today. I imagine Iona's good on the slack line. Yeah, man. It's like she's like, ah, you know, I'm not really good. Then she jumps on <laughs> it. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> so, so yeah, like today I managed to do three steps. But, the thing is, I think what I, what I was learning today is like just getting. The, the the enough balance to s- to just stand on it mm. and then to give the next first step and then the second and one of the things that the f- the first time I managed to do the first three steps what helped was when I stopped rushing yeah you know and it's just like you want to get it there and I don't know why but that's I, I tend to get overexcited mm. about things and just not rush in. Not rush in, and that's where I notice patience being a big problem for me. Slacklining. Yeah, slackline is the example. It's like the the, the <laughs> freshest thing in my memory. Are you gonna keep doing it? Hmm. Are you gonna keep slacklining? Bro, it's so much fun. <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> it's like uh, it's it's really cool. Like just like leave a audio book on mm. or something, anything I'm learning, and just like place it there. Do it for thirty minutes. Like nice way to wind down. Uh, you've you've seen like the extreme versions of slacklining, right? When they like hook it up between mountains and stuff. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> you've seen them, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're hooked in, but like, that's that's a scary thought. Even, even not even not like even when people do like backflips on it. Yeah, it's like I was like trying three to stand foot off on the ground, it, and I'm thinking, how? That's <laughs> <laughs> ah, time, isn't it? Time and patience, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, like, how, how do you find, I guess, like, uh, in terms of jiu-jitsu? Yeah, I mean, you can't rush jiu-jitsu, can you? You can't. And But we always talk about this. Like, the first time you ever, especially, like, a white belt, the first time you ever try moves, you go 100% aggression, speed, and effort. Because I guess, like, when it's a fighting thing, like, you want it to look right. You want it to be, you want to do it right. And um, especially in, like, simulating a fight scenario, you want to make sure that it's working right because if you don't and you fail then you're in a potentially in a bad position so whenever it's so funny like whenever you get shown a new position you try to go like a hundred percent and then it doesn't work and you get really frustrated and annoyed and like um it's true of anything right like if i put a piano in front of you and told you to like play a song and you went a hundred percent like you're just not going to do it so it's true of, i guess of everything um and the, the point is do it really slow like feel it get the movement and get the form and 
um, figure it out, and then eventually the speed will come, and that's um, that's one element of jiu-jitsu being a patient game. But the other is it's just so vast. One of the things I'm now realizing at Blue Belt is, like, I saw someone describe it quite well. White Belt is almost like you made it over the hill, but Blue Belt is like you've seen the mountain range, you've now got to climb, and that's so true. There's just it's such a vast array of things to learn and you kind of realize just like how little you do actually know and I guess for me I think that's why a lot of people quit at Blue Belt because the next stage and the next step is far away and also you realize that you're never going to be complete with jiu-jitsu you're never going to finish it it is just a constant progression forward but you're not necessarily sure where so I think you have to be patient and sometimes sometimes moves click like there's there's definitely like a, a few moves I have, um, a few transitions which just make sense. A few guards where I'm like, yeah, that's I'm, I'm I understand that more. And then there's some things where I'm like, oh, I'm really gonna have to work on this if I want to do it. And I can't just discard it. I can't just not <laughs> not do that like one avenue. I really am gonna have to work away at it. And it's hard because sometimes you can actually understand conceptually mm. but it's like your body didn't get the memo yeah yeah on paper like everyone's a black belt aren't they yeah. <laughs> like you can you can watch it you take him down pass his yeah. guard one of the at the london open one of the funniest things is one of our teammates pat was competing and when he came off the mat someone um who was like part of our group was going to him like why did you do this like why didn't you do that and he's like bro it's like easy to say when you're sitting in the stands watching like when you're in the heat at the moment it's quite hard to, to execute on that that's true and it's also like quite interesting to see like i think <clears throat> i think um i think a big part of patience with jiu-jitsu that i don't know i think it's like a I think I expected it to be hard, you know, sort of, but even then it, it's like, um, because it's hard, maybe it gives you enough perspective not to expect things to come fast, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I think that there, there are other things like, uh, lifting weights. Yeah. Right? It doesn't happen overnight. Does it? it doesn't happen overnight, but, but it's like, um, Especially when you start in the beginning, mm. maybe you get gains really fast, but as you go along, they get slower. So you, people can get impatient about yeah. that. But with jiu-jitsu, it's like, I feel like it's not like that. It's not like you start and you slightly get good. It's like... It's hard graft, it's isn't it? the complete opposite, right? It's like... Yeah. What's the difference, do you think, between patience and inactivity? Like stalling, not 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 doing something not making progress because of your own fault what's the difference between patiently waiting for things to come right and then do you mean in the middle of a match or do you mean in general man, i mean in general man like and i suppose some people sit there and and they maybe tell themselves they're being patient whereas in actual fact they could be doing something i've been thinking about this actually like uh because uh a friend and i have like a personal project that we've been working on is this the film yeah the film and uh, I remember I was uh, when I was about to move to another place, he was like, bro, I'm really happy for you, but not really, because we've been talking about making this film for more than a year now. Yeah. And if we don't do it, it's like opportunities are always going to come. Other things that will distract you are always going to come. But if we don't do it, it won't happen. Mm. And it's like, a, it's like a, I would say, I don't know if I was necessarily being inactive consciously you know yeah. it's like it's almost that thing of like uh there are many things that we feel like they'll always be there mm. and uh maybe that's that's just lying to yourself or just not seeing something that is there you know like kind of yeah so in that case i'd say it's more about honesty i guess mm. about really being like am i because let's say with the 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 gym example right we were talking about steroids right the other day we were yeah and it's like um some people who are like in these huge competitions like uh, bodybuilding competitions they might have to get up they'll get in a point of their career where they'll have to make that decision should i take steroids or not look at the consequences of it mm -hmm. by the way we're not endorsing it but it's a reality yeah and 
a lot of a lot of the people who actually succeed after taking steroids are people that spent that they they spent a lot of time trying to understand it and they have like a very good structure before right like they they've lifted weights their whole life and they achieved the maximum that they could mm. without it because so, there are there are some people that take steroids be- maybe because they are impatient they want to get there quicker and um you know, say what you want about steroids, but done properly, it will get you there quicker. Yeah. Like it, it's proven scientifically, it, it, you know. But it's like, but I guess like, um, it can be done quicker, but it's like, it can shorten your life. It can, like, you can come up with so many consequences of... just because of being impatient. Yeah. But then I guess, uh, I guess done properly. Done properly, it, it can, it can, again, not endorsing it. Yeah. I do remember reading one article which, um, was talking about the difference between steroid use and steroid abuse. Steroid abuse can have horrific side effects. Um, you only have to Google it and you'll get some, yeah. some very shocking images and videos. Steroid uses can actually be quite effective. And professional sports people, I'm not going to go into any details, <laughs> we're not that kind of podcast, but professional sport people have proven that, that with the right application of steroids, you can you know, achieve greatness. Yeah. I think... Um, for the people that aren't impatient, let's let's take the bodybuilder example. For the people that have gotten to a certain point and then maybe had a cold hard look at the fact that maybe the game I'm playing is rigged. Maybe they're all taking it. And maybe if I want to continue and succeed, I'm going to have to take it. I kind of empathize with that a bit. Again, don't endorse it. However, I empathize that they're looking at a rigged game. You know, if, if you see, I'm trying to think of a good example. It's like going out to ride a bike without handlebars. Like you're gonna ride the bike, but you're probably not gonna do that great. What the what did uh, Bill Burr said about uh, Armstrong? Because um, uh, he once he was caught as a, he confessed that uh, I I I did take uh, in enhancement drugs, and everybody was like um, shitting on him and talking bad about him and saying that he was the devil and and it's like I think the first. 18 spots all were on it all yeah, were on yeah. it have you, you know? seen the the there's like a two-part i think it's on bbc there's like a two-part documentary called lance which is basically they interview him they interview all his ex-teammates like lance was just the scapegoat and i i really do truly believe that the sport encouraged that to drive attention away from others and put it all mm. on him because all of his teammates confessed to doing it, every single one of them. But I challenge you to name one of those teammates that has openly said, I did, I did it with him. Nobody knows, nobody cares. It's just because of who Lance was. And like, he made it into a huge lie. Like the others were lying, yeah. but he made it into this huge yeah, lie. Yeah, the, the fact that he said it. And it's like, I remember Bill Burr saying like, what about the guys who run this organization? Like they're billionaires. Did they give back their boats? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like... Uh, so 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 i guess like in, that is that is that is that but I, I wouldn't say that that's impatience no it's not impatience that's more of a moral here's issue, a question right? is it cheating i guess i guess it is it is yeah. the, the problem is this this is the problem let's say let's give the example of lance started training gets there finds out that everybody does it. Yeah, and that's actually what happened, wasn't it? He yeah. was so far off the pace. And like they were even saying to him, like, you know, you're either going to have to get on board or that's going to be the end of you. You know, they gave him the cold, hard choice of do it or you're not going to keep up. And also, as much as, as like um, I'd like to judge it and say it's wrong or not wrong, if someone gave you $10 million and said nobody's going to find out and everyone else is doing it, yeah. So, so it's like, I, I, so I don't know if they asked us that question once in a PE class. Yeah. Yeah. The teacher was like, if you, if I gave you the choice to take steroids and you would win and no one would ever find out, would you do it? And like two or three people like hundred percent, I'd do it. Of course I'd do it. Like I win. No one ever finds out. Thank you very much. And then there's loads of people like, no, the ethics, the rules of the game, the sportsmanship. I think the problem is also like for the person who's watching you from afar. Yeah. Who starts believing that I can do it without it. Yeah. And they're getting in a game that's rigged. Yeah. When they get to that point and it's like, okay, here are the here are the the yeah. the, the secret rules. 
and that person is just disillusioned. Like you can break you do, someone. You do get things like that. Well, I say especially. I don't know an awful lot about this, completely honest. But from what I see, some it seems more prevalent in the Olympics where there are those that do and those that don't, and those that try to upload, like uphold the morals and the ethics of the game, and those that miss out, and then those that do take it and I guess get away with it, and then maybe later get found out. I think it, it is cheating. By the letter of no. the law, if you get found out, you are disqualified, it is cheating. However, there needs to be the other side, which is if you know everyone's doing it and you want to compete, it doesn't leave you much choice because it, it really is that clear cut. You either do it and you're competitive or you don't, and you won't even get a look in. And unfortunately, the structures that allow, for, like that actually like, like the Olympics and stuff like that, they kind of end up incentivizing it because it's like, as long as you're not caught, yeah, you know, it's like, um, it's a, but also, every, it's like you know people are doing it, and yeah. it's like a, I remember Michael Bisbin talking about this sort of like yeah, taking that with a lot of pride that yeah. I've never taken it, and I think he almost went blind because he fought people who who taken it wow. and they hit him harder than yeah he did didn't he, he yeah. he's blind in one eye and he nearly went blind in the second i think yeah. that's one of the reasons why he stopped wasn't yeah. it was it gsp that took out his other eye no nah, no nah. i think i think one of them was uh he says that it was a uh, victor victor um, belford yeah right but then but it, it, it's it's hard because you you can't like you can't look at someone and be like oh that person takes it or not because yeah that at least that don't look like it so here's the problem they go after the athlete and they don't go after the system exactly because i guarantee you if you went after the the system that facilitated it then they would clamp down on it so much harder if you really wanted to change That's it true. you find the system you, you go after those people but instead you go after the athlete and and the other thing that's really tough about going after the athlete because someone takes steroids or something like doesn't mean that they didn't work so hard. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? it's like a, didn't grind ten hours yeah, every single like day. A, I mean, it is it is cheating. Like especially like I think in combat sports, it's like it's even harsher because mm. the consequences are so huge. Like yeah. what can happen? But the problem that's happening is is that it would just go to they're all doing it. You know what I mean? Because you're putting yourself you're putting yourself at serious life threatening risk when you go into a combat sport um that's true i would say that then it's like a form of protection right like if this guy is just gonna hit harder the only problem is like if people are taking all different things then it's like the game it's like you know someone is taking peds the other one yeah. is doing doing like a hormone therapy and that someone else is taking pills it's just like Everything is all over the place, and yeah. Um, well, back to patience. Back to patience. <laughs> uh, I wonder. I wonder. The thing about patience that is also difficult, and I guess relates a little bit to this. It's the world we live in. There are a lot of pressures yeah. that we have. It's an impatient society. Isn't yeah, it? like I mean, like um, I was talking about this with Miles the other day, because I was making this. Uh, terrible argument <laughs> but uh but he, he it's sort of like how um young men and young women have different uh, societal pressures put upon them like uh sort of like the way you have to look how much you have to earn and some people get impatient and they try to cut corners in life mm. and you can understand why they're getting impatience impatient because it's like you know sort of mm. someone I mean, most of crime is trying to cut corners, you know? Um, is it? I mean, a, a lot of it. I won't say most, but a lot of it. Some some people cut try to cut corners. They're like... Some people do, don't they? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Why should I go to school if I could just, like, hustle this or hustle that? Yeah. It looks like you're going fast and then kaboom. Kaboom. You know? <laughs> like, uh, or... I, I always find it... Um, I always find it incredible when you have people that become accustomed to a certain like standard of living and they're so terrified of losing that that they they make it even worse like they go into more debt or they go like or they like like you say they cut corners and it drives them to do these things because they're so tired of like taking a step down in their eyes on like the societal ladder. I always find that incredible. I was like 
I wonder what it's like to get to that point and be so afraid of losing that status that you'll do anything to keep yeah. it. Yeah, like even like go against your own morals, like because it's like I think the thing that's scary. It's like a lot of maybe people that do that. Yeah, the, the things that they would do, it's probably stuff that they don't agree with and they would feel better about. It, but it's like whatever that need to still have that. Bro, I'm gonna give you. There, there was a new story in the UK. This must have honestly. This must have been probably a decade ago, maybe more. And um, heads up, it's not a very nice story for anyone. <laughs> like, we're going to go down this route. But there was a guy, really wealthy guy, um, living on this estate with his family, horses, huge, huge acres of land, and he had this job. Something happened. He got into a serious amount of debt, a huge amount of debt. And instead of telling his family, he killed them all in the house because he was so scared of that. Man, imagine that. Jesus, man. It's, it, it, like, I remember the news story breaking and it was just like when it all came out, it was it was horrendous, horrific. Now, selfish for that guy, beyond reason to do that. However, it's that crux of that idea that he couldn't face it and he couldn't put his family through that. You know, it's crazy, bro. Like when stuff like that happens, it's like you look at that guy and you find out that maybe it's like this is how humans are complicated. Maybe he loved his family deeply. You don't know, do you? You know, and yeah. it's like, but whatever this fear he had was so big, it's like... Consumed him. He couldn't see the wood from the trees. Jeez, yeah. man. That's... Okay, next time you need two warnings. Because <laughs> this, man, because I'm, I'm shook. Yeah. And uh, uh, on a lighter note, the other day I was listening to this conversation, I think with Brian Hall. Yeah. On another podcast, and... I think the guy was asking him, how do you get, how did you get good at jujitsu really fast? Is this Lex Friedman? Yeah, yeah. 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 I saw that come off my, my YouTube recommended. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he talked for like 23 minutes in a nutshell, the drop in train. <laughs> it's like the drop in train pretty much. Like, I think the things you were saying is like, try to be like a nice training partner so mm. that you get more people that want mm. to train with you. And that will give you good advice and like the people who are better than you mm. will be like more welcoming to train mm. with you more often. And the people that maybe you're better than will yeah. also feel comfortable around you so you can keep training more and more than you always have training yeah. partners. And then he spoke in such a like nice way. And I remember B Bill and I talking about this, like sort of like, bro, in a nutshell, he was just saying, show up and train. Yeah. And that's, that's like, I think, especially like now, there's so much information in jujitsu. Uh, I find uh, I find myself just like being bombarded with uh, how to fifty percent discount on this yeah, yeah, DVD yeah, and yeah, this yeah. DVD and this DVD. Shortcut your Berenbola game. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? But that's the thing, man. Like I look at leg locks and think I am going to have to learn leg locks at some point. Like it, it's such like a fundamentally important part of jujitsu that I am ha I'm going to have to get really good at it. But like not yet. Like, there's, like I'm, there's so much of the basics I need to, like, get familiar with and, like, build upon that there's a reason you don't cover certain stuff until certain bounce. So, like, I do see some people, like, going straight in for it and it's like, I have to do all of this. And it's oh, like, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what Coach always says to us, bread and butter, armbar, triangle, omoplata, close guard, basics, foundations. That's that's like where it's built from. So fun fact, uh, since I'm not going to Zambia anymore, <laughs> uh, our coach told me that oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, actually he was just giving me a blue belt right before <laughs> lockdown because uh, he was like, ah, it's kind of sad. He's going to leave, you know, have a blue belt, have a blue belt be like but now that he found out that belts. i'm not going anywhere he's <laughs> like man i want my belt back so no he said he said to you i gave you that blue belt because you told me you were going now that you're here you have to armbar five white belts from the closed guard if you fail you give me the belt back you go back to white belt so ollie has been helping me drill <laughs> arm bars from full guard from the closed guard uh, from the closed guard and uh yeah so which is like uh, here in his living room. He's been drilling them. <laughs> and that has been 
one of the greatest experiences in what you're saying in yeah. patience in the sense of arm bar from close guard if i ask you do you know how to do it you're like of course yeah and i realized like i don't actually hit them that much when <laughs> no. i'm rolling number no. one and then number two we started realizing that yeah maybe i can set the position right but my finish is trash and yeah. it's like why is it trash and it's like but that's it, isn't it? Like, um, to rip off a quote that gets probably used in every single martial art, which is Bruce Lee. I fear not the guy who's practiced 10,000 kicks. I fear the guy who's practiced one kick 10,000 times. And then and then, the, the one of the greatest jiu-jitsu guys of all time, Hodger Gracie, won doing basics, like super basic shit to a high level. Like, close guard, pull it across, go for the sweep. If the sweep fails... Go for the armbar. Try and take the back. Cross cross collar choke. Exactly. From mount. It, from mount. It's so simple, but and it's so, so hard. hard. So as soon hard. as someone knows what you're going for yeah. and they start to fight you on it, you're like, oh, I'm just going to go for something else. Like, and I, yeah, and I think it, it is like, a, it is like, a, I think it's also like a bit of a drug when you tap, when people tap to you yeah, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. It's like, a, it gets you a little bit high. Like. Here's, here's the thing. You go for the cross collar choke and someone defends. They usually defend by putting their arm up. So then it's like, wham, Americana, job done. What's impressive about getting the cross collar choke is insisting on it. I mean, so good and confident that no matter what they do, you can still choke them. And also that confidence that I'm going to keep my mount for this whole time. You know, yeah, sort of yeah, like... Yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna give away my my balance and everything, yeah. but I'll, I'll keep my my. There's nothing the whole time. more demoralizing than being than like giving everything and still being stuck inside like yeah. someone. <laughs> that's true, and that that's fascinating. I think I think that's the thing that I'm learning from from the from just doing this one move, mm. not thinking of anything else. It's like it takes time to do something well. Like it really takes time. It's it like does. A, and to do it right. Yeah. I tell you who we should talk about, someone who played a patient game, uh, Mr. Francis Ngannou. Wow. <laughs> I saw a, uh, an Instagram post, which was one of those things like how it started, how it's going. And the first photo, I don't know the year, maybe like 2013. Yeah. It was like how it started, 2013, homeless. How it's going, 2021, UFC champion. Insane, man. He, it's like, did you see the first fight? Yeah. That was an example of someone who wasn't ready. Yeah. Like, he he's really talented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he wasn't ready. He's just, like, trying to... Like, he had no grappling Do you see what he all. said to Stipe at the end as well? He was like, yeah. you, you make me better, man. Yeah. You make me better. Man, it's like, I'm actually getting goosebumps, man. Like, uh... The France... best the best video was the one out in Cameroon, though. Everyone celebrating, yeah, right? man. So, Sam Crook that we had um, on the podcast... He's out for the people that haven't listened. We had a guy on a podcast who um, trained jiu-jitsu, black belt, trained jiu-jitsu at the, at the road from us at Fight Zone. And he went out to the Francis Ngannou Foundation in Cameroon. And he's permanently moved out there and he's teaching kids jiu-jitsu. Um, I don't think he knew the language at first, did he? Yeah, he's learning yeah. as he goes. Like he's, he's building these kids up. He just awarded um, one lad his first blue belt. But when we spoke to him, he made a point of saying, look, like if, if Francis gets the belt, this is going to be huge for the exposure for these kids. Um, it was the primary reason I wanted Francis and Ghani to win. And uh, when he did, they they had a big gathering out in Cameroon and they posted a video of them celebrating. Insane. Craziness. Insane. Man, I'm getting goosebumps. It's like, uh, it's so crazy, like, to think that someone that, this is like a, a fairy tale story, like, yeah, just yeah, a kid yeah. with a dream, I want to fight in the UFC, yeah. leaves this country, leaves like in very bad conditions was it you or billy telling me that um he fled he, no every year he goes back and he does one day in the mines apparently he said this on joe rogan wow. he was like every single year i go back and i work one day in the mines to remind me that I, that's like never where i want to go back to that's so crazy that's motivating right and, and one of the beautiful things also it's like how how sort of like um it's man it's like imagine someone who was born where he was born seeing that happen it's yeah. like it's his house is just right across the street from someone else's house yeah like he grows like ah that's francis ingano who is francis ingano ah, the guy that left this village and went somewhere else and yeah. used his talent 
He's insane, man. Yeah. Good on him. But I was just thinking then um, about patience. Like um, having the confidence to be patient even when it becomes like uncomfortable. Like having conviction. I'm kind of thinking like when you have a lot of external pressure and and people are pushing you to make a decision or do something and having the, the kind of, I guess not the common sense, like the confidence in knowing that now is not the right time and and holding fast and not rushing in because of anyone else and coming to think about that's like a skill right that's like that's got to be something to to really be held up and revered don't you i think like sometimes it's like a bit of a i'm thinking i know i know i know someone who's like very good at that but i'm thinking sometimes like sadly like the thing i find i think with patience is sometimes you only learn after you burn yeah <laughs> you know what I mean? like yeah, yeah it's yeah. like uh because it, it's almost oh, like i a, just waited <laughs> yeah like it's like a cookie that is there all the time just gotta be like it's okay i'll get to if i wait a bit more you know sort of yeah and i i can think of i can think of like um times that uh, certain opportunities maybe sh- showed themselves to me mm. and the first time I did it, and right after, it's like, why did I do this? But, like, yeah, as time yeah, goes yeah. along, it's like the same thing happening again. Yeah. It's like sometimes it happens so many times. It's like, yeah, now I know. But, yeah, but at the times that are, it is a skill, I guess. That's, that's, like, why it can be practiced, I guess. It can. But you're right. It comes from experience, and sometimes you've got to mess up to know, like, not to do it again. And it hurts. I think that's maybe <laughs> why it helps not doing it again. It hurts. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. It hurts a lot. I definitely rush my move to London, for sure. Which then, like, I wanted to go to London so badly that I moved for the wrong job. That was a tough one. But you're telling me about that, that at the time that uh, when you were when you're, I think you're, someone was offering you a position. Oh, yeah. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> and it sounded identical to the rubbish job I had before. <laughs> and I was like, nah, yeah, <laughs> I don't right. want it. I don't want it. But it's tough, man. Like, especially, I think, with what you said, with a lot of pressure. Because a lot of times, I think the hardest decisions is... It always feels like you're alone. Mm. And you kind of are, because after every decision, you'll probably live with it yourself. And I, I guess it's like... And you're the one who has to make the decision. That's for sure. So, like, I guess, like, um, kind of... I'm not sure if it's shutting down, because you, you also want to be, like, wise enough know what to listen to and know what to not listen to yeah. you know but how do you cut through all of that you know how do you separate out what's right and what's wrong because everyone's got an opinion right yeah everyone and everyone would do things differently yeah that's that's actually that's actually interesting the thing about everyone having an opinion i think also that it's crazy but i think do you think this is like completely random? But do you think like the fact that we almost like live in this avatar reality with like what? <laughs> I, know, I know bro what? like think about it. I've been thinking about this so much. It's like What do you mean? Like uh I have like I have I don't know how many, like six or four social media platforms. Man, like I just try and treat social media for what it is really. No, no, wait, wait, wait. I I try to but, but wait, so it's like, did I like three or four added uh, WhatsApp and a million family groups? And it's just like... Um, but here's your problem. You try and come off social media and your answer to coming off social media is getting rid of your smartphone. But then you don't tell anyone. <laughs> so then we can't contact you. We can't... There's literally no way to get a hold of you. That's and true. then a lot of what you do, especially with this podcast, is our social media. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> no, 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 wait, wait, okay, okay, let's act like he didn't say anything, <laughs> you're cutting my train of thought here, Ali, um, I think, not necessarily social media, but I guess it's like, it's, um, there is a sense, I guess, that, and I'm talking this just in general, um, right now, all that is happening is we are sitting here having this conversation, but if you pull up something, 
sort of like a, a social media, mm. it can give a sense that you might be missing out on something. Yeah. Or something like that. I watched, and, um, the, have you seen The Social Dilemma on Netflix? Yeah, 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 yeah. The most scary thing about me watching that was um, my job is basically geared to, to do all that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like sponsored ads, targeted ads, like I leverage all of that to do digital marketing. I, uh, like if I send out an email, I track what you do. I monitor like usage, view time, scroll depth. Like my whole goal is to make you buy my product and I'm using all of like these nefarious digital tools. But, um, and so, yeah, when they were talking about that, I wasn't even surprised. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I do this. <laughs> but the fact that they are tapping into like the psychology of like, you're missing out. There could be something there. You look at your phone in the hope that there will be something there. I, at first, like I used to be like very critical of it. But then I watched this interview, Matt, with uh, Mark Zuckerberg was interviewing this historian who writes a lot about like uh, uh, humans and technology and blah, blah, blah. And what he was trying to explain to Zuckerberg was exactly that sort of there is a point where humans don't have a choice, yeah. you know, sort of. And I realized that Zuckerberg was trying to argue that the customer always have a choice even after he tried to explain to him that man there is a part of this that it's not about what you think or don't think people just do these things that they don't even realize that they're doing yeah and then i was like man zuckerberg doesn't get it <laughs> and uh i remember that my first my first uh my first instinct was to critic criticize and what is this and then i just remembered like man this guy is not even 40 years old. Yeah. He's trying to figure it out as much. Like he's trying to figure out his life yeah, as much as yeah. I am trying to figure out mine. And then it's like puts things in, into perspective in a sense of all these tools are very new. Like, yeah, it's like, um, I think um, to an extent, we've all just agreed that this is the way we're going to work. But we haven't even stopped to think, is this right? Is this wrong? It's like, mm. I guess with time, we will learn. But... Yeah. We well, hope. I mean, yeah, that was the whole true, that was the whole thing about this social dilemma. It's like no one ever really stopped and ethically questioned what they were doing. Yeah, but their intentions—they were always saying like the like button was supposed to like spread positivity. Now, when I think of the like button, I think of like um, they're called uh, glamour metrics. Yeah. Like how many likes did it get? How many shares did it get? But then it's like honestly, the tools we use are so detailed. You like a video that I've put out there. And then I go to my page, I track your page. So I track you and I know like, I know Everything. a lot about you, like your location. I can like link it to like gender and age. Do you think uh, when they make uh, jujitsu AI robots that know everything about you and track Bro, you, it could be great? <laughs> who, who's working on jujitsu AI robots? <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I think, uh, but, but, but that's crazy. It means that, but I mean, it's like, to an extent, these devices and our phones and like mm. um, people I don't know, you only <laughs> know more about my life Here's than the question. I do. Here's the question. I don't know what I liked last week on Monday <laughs> on Instagram. Here's a question for you. Do you would you would you keep having it as it is uh, and get all the benefits from it, namely Amazon next day delivery? Um, playlists off spotify recommendations from netflix would you keep all that or would you give it all up and lose that like that technological advancement if i could i would give it all up I, like i don't think i'd mind giving it all up yeah and everyone else still has it that's what i'm trying to do <laughs> you go about it the wrong way i know you don't compartmentalize you have like i think with you you just like you rage quit you're like i'm done yeah, yeah like <laughs> and then there's no like there's no plan for like messaging me emergency yeah, like, emergencies. like it's legit then, yeah three times i've had i think oh, honestly three times i've had to message john jitsu and be like where is Eki?" and he's yeah. like oh yeah he's off his phone again uh yeah, fairly enough. I, I agree with you, but I, I think I, I, I think the thing is, I, I watched. The, I, I was talking about this with a friend the other day, and someone did a video about this where he tried to stop using his phone for like thirty days. So hard. Yeah, it's I like do. it's impossible. Yeah, bro. Like 
it's you know what's the hardest thing? It works for three days, and then you have to go to some place you've never been before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But that's the good thing about technology. I was having um, me and my dad. This is amazing. Yeah. Me and my dad have a weekly, uh, no, a monthly Zoom call yeah. together, and every single time it blows his mind. <laughs> like I'm not kidding you. Every single time he sees me and like he turns his camera on, he it like his his whole concept of it is just blown apart. He's like he can't get over it. But he was like, so do you know the London tube maps now? I was like, no. And he's like, why not? I was like, because yeah. I don't need to. He's like, what do you mean? And I was like, there's this app called City Mapper and knows where I am. And I type in where I want to go and it tells me the quickest route with live updates of delays and traffic and everything I would ever need to know. And I follow it. And he was like, he's still like, no, you move to a place, you buy the A to Z, you go out, you learn the roads and that's how you do it. Fairly enough, that's actually one thing that I got better at. Like, man, I'm, I'm getting to know London much better, sort of like moving around. Yeah. Because of not that, because of not having, not relying on maps a lot. Yeah. But then I, I'm, I end up being much late a lot of times. But this is the thing, yeah. this, this like, this mildly stresses me out. And yeah. um, there's a few people in my life where I, they, they're like, oh, I went up, um, I went up at, you know, such and such a place and I took this road and went that way and they're looking at me and I'm there like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you know, when you cross over and stuff. And honestly, I was like, I, like, I, I know the names of the roads. Yeah. Like, you just send me a pin, I'll get there. But it's true. Like, I, I mean, the thing is, it's not whether it is helpful or not. I think it's comfortable. I, I guess the problem, like, ah, back to the 30-day guy, the conclusion he got it's also a very similar conclusion that I got. Without my phone, I find my life to lack a lot of comfort. Mm. And sometimes a bit more stress than not. Yet, yeah. I find myself way more peaceful and way more happy. Yeah. And that's the dilemma. It's like I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm trading the happiness and peace for... for just, convenience it's like huge mm. convenience like um uh right now i went to i went to a park i had to find someone jesus christ <laughs> what a mission you know like uh but the, these are the good things yeah. about technology and the thing is look look if you let's say you don't have a decision let's say you can't get rid of your phone let's say that the damage has been done and you will forever be tied how do how phone. do you live with it that exactly and there are things you can do and again i'm this just regurgitating the stuff from this film the social dilemma they were like notifications is a huge thing turn off anything that doesn't need your immediate attention so vibrate in your pocket if it's not so, like someone you've set that when they message you you need to know and if it's not a phone call turn everything else off even stop it from being on the home screen so the home screen just becomes a clock then even when you log in like do you need the little six notification thing that that pops up these are all like measures you can do to live with it in a comfortable frame of mind and i guess it will slowly wean you off that i need to check i need to check yeah that, that are the things like keeping it in your bag not in your pocket because yeah. it's like a because the thing that i find is you know one thing that I I learned was like really it's really underrated is boredom. <laughs> like um what do you mean? Meaning meaning uh without a phone I'm more bored than I used to be with it cuz it's like you really are bored like you could just like you get on a train you take out your phone like any yeah, any time you know. Yeah. And I found that when I'm bored my brain is still working. Like, it's still, like, yeah. there is so much information that is receiving. And that downtime where there's, like, nothing, yeah. and it's, like, whatever is happening, it's thinking of ideas, it's processing so much. Yeah. And it's just, like, the other day, I remember I was bored. I was, like, ah, oh, this is new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bro, so, I, need, I need to give a, I need to give a shout out to someone who I know listens to this podcast. Um, his name is uh, Simon. He does a Twitch channel called Loft on Tour TV. Oh, what up, Simon? People should, people should go check out Loft on Tour TV for fun uh, daily streams of Warzone. It's great. It is actually really good. The reason I'm going to shout him out is because I've had this conversation with him before. And he's like, he's fully bought in to the technology. <laughs> he's, he's the kind of guy where it's like, 
you want all my information, all my data, because you're going to know the music that I want when I walk in, sign me up. You want to shove an implant in any orifice so that I can have like augmented reality, sign me up. I'm fully on board. Yeah, that's true though. Yeah, like the fact that, I mean, like, what you're saying that I was talking about a video by Ryan Hall, you already knew exactly which yeah. one it was. Because right now, my laptop that's in front of us will be listening, and I'm sure that tonight I'll get like um, 30 suggested videos. That's scary, the listening. That yeah. is proper scary. You know, like, there are people that are like really meticulous. Like, whenever they just are walking around in their room, they block the, the speakers, the mic, yeah. and. I had I got a free Google Google Mini with it because yeah. I was Spotify Premium. Yeah, and that started listening and talking to me, and I was like, "Now nah, you're gone." <laughs> to be fair, that documentary, the the what's it called, um, the, the one you're talking, Social Dilemma. I think they over dramatize it a bit, like you know, like with the yeah. people listening to it, yeah. like almost like in a war zone or something. But uh, but it's 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 entertaining and educational. They gotta tell a story, right? Yeah. Um, do you know what else, bro? I've just had a great little segment into um, patience. Yeah. Um, I started watching Formula One Drive to Survive. Oh, yeah. Tell season me. three. Have you seen it? No, no, no. Okay. If you don't watch any of the episodes, like if you just, re- if you're like thinking in your head, like no matter what you say, I really, I'm not going to watch this. Mm-hmm. Just watch one episode, season three, Man on Fire. Um, and it's about Roman Grosjean's crash uh, in Bahrain. I don't know if you ever saw it when it came out horrendous the car i think i can't remember the reason why i think basically his car locked up he went off the track looked so inconspicuous like if you think how many times you've seen an f1 car hit a barrier nothing happens right like they trying to hit it and they're like oh fuck this like i'm out the race bro it bursts into flames the car splits in two it's insane and like the whole dramatization of it is utterly amazing um it's not really ruining it if I say mm. what happened. Like it's pretty public news. Um, he gets out all is well. Um, but f- me, if it's not the most like insane bit of TV, I've how ever long watched did you stay, bro? Like over two and a half minutes inside the car, and it's on fire. People are watching it and they're like, "This doesn't happen in, in modern F one. It doesn't happen." Man. Watch that episode. You don't have to watch anything else yeah, this season. season. To be season fair, three. like you've recommended me some epic, like especially with with sports. Like uh, the last <laughs> one you recommended me was the Mourinho one, and I loved it. Yeah. Anyway, the reason I'm talking about this is because in that same episode, there's a guy called Checo, um, Sergio Perez, who fights for ra- he he races for um, Racing Point. I man, I'm in love with this guy. Like he's my driver. I'm in <laughs> love with him, and because I'm in love with him, I think I saw something which was like he went the longest ever amount of races before he won a race. He like set the F1 record, but bro, that level of patience and dedication to get there. Watch that episode. The way he wins is utterly amazing. It just blew my mind, and I was like, so he kind of just waited, waited, bro. going, trying his best. He. Something happens. He goes off track. I can't remember what it is. There's a loss of power. He gets run off the track. He's at the back of the race. Last place. He overtakes everyone and wins the race. Wow. And that's how he does it. And I was like, he's my boy. <laughs> Man, that sounds like a movie. It's insane, bro. Yeah. That whole episode from start to finish is unbelievably amazing. Bro, if you seen that movie documentary about a guy who does sushi yajiro yeah yeah dreams yeah. in sushi yeah nah yeah i think it takes like 10 years it takes like 10 years for you to become yeah like a, this is um a sushi this chef. is a thing in japan i think they're yeah. called like master craftsman and it's usually 10 years that it takes to get that accreditation in my mind i always started like in a weekend like learn how to do <laughs> sushi you know like how crazy it's like in a uh, weekend. Never <laughs> right? Like, Today I sushi chef. <laughs> yeah, like YouTube video. It's like, <laughs> but it's like uh, imagine how sort of like the gap of a million things that are happening. Yeah. Between like going to buy the wrap or even making it, the rice and all these things until you make it. Yeah. And like what's going on is his mind and someone is like Yeah, yeah. Bro, I watched um this is how this is how board lockdown makes you do you know james mayers the guy of top gear yeah yeah yeah. he um did like uh like 
however many part thing where he went around Japan and he went and met a master swords craftsman. He makes swords, basically. Hmm. The swords take a year and a half to make. And I was thinking, like, how good is this sword going to be? Like, <laughs> like, I've seen swords. Bro, he has this sword, and basically it's, like, from one piece of metal that just gets tempered and hammered and tempered and hammered. And then there's, like, different tensile strengths at the, like, the edge, the middle, and the back and stuff like that. James May picks this sword up. He cuts through a sheet piece of metal, and it doesn't even leave... Like That's scratch. Nothing on the sword. Jesus Christ. I still do question the need for these swords, then. What do you mean? Who needs a sword in this day and age? Bro, how many people have you choked since you started playing? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, if I had a sword, there'd be no need for these chokes. Um, yeah. But what was the other thing? Do you know who Guy Martin is? The, like, wacky, like, British engineer that just loves, like, racing and engines and things. Yeah, that's him, basically. Yeah. He went to Japan and he met a master craftsman. This master craftsman, he mills machine parts. He got commissions to make a machine part for a nuclear reactor. He did it so many times and he took so long that the cost of parts and labor was double the amount he got paid to do it. Wow. Because he was so scared that it would mess up and it would impact the nuclear reactor and people's lives were at risk that he made sure it was perfect. Wow. Man, I think, like, the amount... It's like a, it's like a, the guy that you're saying that drove... What's his name? Checo. Yeah, Checo. Sergio Perez. I want to make sure it actually is Sergio Perez. Like, I'm here, like, he's my boy! <laughs> but I know his nickname is Checo. I wonder, I wonder, like, just how long did it take for him? Just forget, forget even getting to Formula One. Just how long it took for him to get... To black belt level you know it's like uh you know like the ten thousand hour rule man i've i've read a book on the the, the ten thousand hour yeah. rule it's called the sports gene yeah and the ten thousand hour rule is very misconstrued yeah really misconstrued yeah because the general principle of the ten thousand hour rule is that if you put ten thousand hours into something you'll be at like a certain level that's kind of a little inaccurate the ten thousand hour rule came from an idea um, and it was originally about violinists, mm -hmm. where some guy was basically trying to work out a number or an amount that you would have to train to get to like a certain standard. But actually what the 10,000 hour rule is like only a small little part of it that he was measuring. And he was like, that's around about a number that I think is relevant. But the biggest findings from it were he was I think it was about 11 years old or, or he was talking to violinists that are all around the same age. They all started of a similar age. And the biggest findings were those that practiced more in the earlier stages actively would always perform better than those that had less time. And those that were more naturally gifted at it or seemed to have a talent for it would also outstretch everyone else. And the whole thing about the sports gene is, is it nature or nurture? Are you born yeah. with it? Can you develop it? But the whole 10,000 hour thing is is really misconstrued in terms of put in this amount of time and you will be here that's not entirely accurate. and also like i think it's not just the putting the amount of time is the quality of, of exactly. like what you're doing good right? practice yeah good practice because yeah. uh yeah like i could just do something over and over but like yeah. not even paying attention and that yeah. doesn't count it's yeah. like it has to be deliberate practice i i remember reading a book about a guy who tried to find people who went past than ten thousand, who like were like masters for like 20,000 hours or something. Yeah. And the examples he was giving, they were like, uh, what's the name? It was a basketball player. I'm, I'm forgetting. Um, it was for the Celtics. But yeah, pretty much same thing. He was naturally gifted kind of thing. But he went beyond. Like his family was like worried about this guy. They would go on family trips. Yeah. On like a... On a uh, boat, uh, how do you call it, the big boat? Cruise? Yeah, on a cruise. To try to take him away from basketball, yeah. they wake up and he's training, like, you know, like with yeah, blinders yeah. on and stuff, like dribbling two balls with blinders on. And it's just like, by the time he got to the NBA, yeah, he was already like past 10,000 hours. Yeah. He was already like insanely good. Yeah, But uh, I think... The thing that's uh, stood out for me, it's like um, that is the part of genetics that it does count. 
I think mm-hmm. I think uh, a lot of times like when uh, we hear success being talked about in popular culture, that's wildly yeah. ignored. Uh, I mean, I don't think everybody can be Einstein, you know, mm-hmm. or every, the same way that not not everybody can be Shaquille O'Neal. But they, there's an example in this book, right? That, um, that uh, I'm going to completely yeah. butcher this story, but the general premise will come across. There was this guy, and he was obsessed with um, high jump, not not pole vault. You know, when you jump and then you flip over, um, and he, like he was obsessed with it. And his hero was the guy that was named after the jump or something like that. And he like put his life into it. And he went to the Olympics, and he was like a serious competitor. He did really well. The basic gist of the story is he was in like the Olympic sports hall or a sports hall and there was a guy there that was, let's say, doing basketball or something. And um, he was like talking to this guy about it and he was like, oh, like, I think I'll be pretty good at that. Like, I'm good at jumping. And the guy was like, nah, like there's, there's a lot more to it than like you just jump over. And he's like, oh, I reckon I could do it. And he was like, oh, you couldn't clear like X, bro. He went, he jumped and he did it. He just flopped straight over. He ended up beating the guy like in the olympics like he started wow. training it because he had basically it was something to do with his achilles tendon his were just like double the explosive like strength that allowed him to like flip and jump higher so there's this one guy that's like committed his life and had these incremental gains and managed to like grind out the wins and then there's this guy that's just rocked up and flipped it and has this capacity to just do it and it is what it is it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> and you know, like, I think maybe a better way to look at that situation is because I guess, like, winning sometimes we're gonna, it's gonna happen, sometimes it's not. But the mm-hmm. thing that is probably on our control is was I better than yesterday? Did I give my everything? Yeah. And that one percent better. Yeah, like I think that that's that's something we can all do. Like whether someone is the guy who trained his whole life and the guy that he was just naturally gifted, right? It's like both of them can do both. Because I think that's that's the thing. Some people are so naturally gifted that they do become successful, but maybe they don't become fulfilled because they didn't re- even need to do anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't work for it. Yeah, like it's like a trade-off. Interesting example in football. There is Messi, there is Ronaldinho Gaúcho, and then there is Ronaldo Cristiano. Man, the stories they they tell about Ronaldinho Gaúcho, when he became like the number one football player in the world, his mom was like, that does not surprise me at all. (laughs) If you watch his videos on YouTube, him playing, I think at six years old. Have you seen this? No, man. Bro. I've seen a young Messi play. It's like I've never seen nothing like Ronaldinho. It's like dribbling the ball against older kids and other kids. It's like from one goal to the other. Yeah. Goal scores. And apparently used to do this every day. Of course, his brother was a footballer. So they would give him a ball like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and be like, yeah, just stay in that corner and don't let that ball drop Yeah. while we go train. So he would <laughs> dribble all the time. But he was so gifted yeah. that you watch him and you're like, this guy is special. Like... Ronaldo and Messi will have more titles, more goals, more everything. But they won't have that whatever special thing Mm. that he has. But on that same note, he was only at the peak of his career for three seasons. Which is insane. So, And I think Ronaldo and Messi have been for more than 10 years now. Yeah. But you know, um, Coach has been reading his... um his David Goggins and his Jocko Willett books. So sometimes he asks me like certain words that he doesn't know or certain phrases. Some of them have been like kind of like fairly like mundane stuff like um, silo. He didn't know and like Humvee and stuff like this. But then some, and it's been so funny chatting to him about it. One was um, resting on your laurels. And I was like, I started laughing. I was like, coach, you're going to love this. I was like, and I looked up like the dictionary definition. Resting on your laurels is basically like um, using past successes to like 
enhance yourself with no desire to get new successes mate coach's reaction he was like no fucking way not in this house no way <laughs> but a great one that was super interesting uh, was nature nurture he was like what's nature nurture the idea of like are you born a certain way or does your upbringing define who you are like were you always inherently going to be the person you were or were you influenced by it man that was like I was super interesting to think about, especially from his point of view as well. Like on the LFF podcast, we were talking about people that come into the gym. Like how do you undo all of the work that's gone on behind the scenes that's negatively impacted them? How do you, as a coach, undo that and make them the person they are? Or are they always just going to be that person? Anyway. Yeah, it is tough. It's, um, I think, uh, it's it's very tough because people are so different. Mm. For one person screaming, "Get up, motherfucker!" It's the right <laughs> thing, and for the one being like, "You can do it. Go, Jimmy." Well, this is it. You can't. You, know? you can't really. If those that try and have a one size fits all approach, or like those that try and please everyone, they're just going to end up falling short a hundred percent of the time, or like not impacting. At least fifty percent. At least fifty percent. <laughs> but like those that are who they are are going to really speak to some people. And, and like, we sometimes, we, we use in coaching, it doesn't have to be coached. Like, there are other coaches and teachers and people in life. Like, let's take Mourinho, for example. For yeah. some, he's going to be absolutely the right person. But for others, it's just not going to work. I think I'd rather just be me, you know? <laughs> not have to, like, try and water it down or fit it around others like keep keep that passion and keep that way of doing it and i just hope it works yeah it sounds like a good trade <laughs> yeah. to make <laughs> yeah on that note ali thank you so much for this chat thank you bro thank you and uh guys thank you so much for listening yeah absolutely as always stay safe in these streets Oops.